You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Tavish, and we have Randy calling in. Now, I don't exactly know what's on his mind, but we had him on once before, and he reached out to GP and said that he had a lot on his mind, and he needed to call in and and vent, more or less. So we're going to have him on this afternoon. We're going to get right over to him and see what he wants to get into. Good evening, gentlemen. It's nice to have both of you here. We do have Bruce that's out today, unfortunately. It is his birthday, so I told him he could take the day off. We do have Randy, who was called in. He's joined us previously. Uh, He he joined us before. Uh, He reached out to us and said that he has some things that were on his mind at the time, and he wanted to come on and he wanted to talk about it. And so, again, he's he's reached out to us uh, today. He reached out to, uh, to GP, and GP had him call in on the line just as we're getting started here. So, I have absolutely no idea what any of this is going to be about. We haven't discussed any of this prior to. So, and we also have Tavish here today. How you doing, Tavish? Nice to have you. Um, Thanks, sir. Doing well. Fantastic. Okay, but we are going to we're going to start with uh, with you, Randy. So, first of all, how you doing? And, and welcome back. Oh, good. I'm glad to be back. Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, just going a little bit crazy with the you know seeing things that I see nowadays. So I just thought I'd like to talk about it a little bit, see what you guys thought. Maybe uh, you guys could. Uh, enlighten me on maybe some answers I don't have. Maybe you could even just uh, go along with what I say and say, you know what? I think you're right. So we'll, uh, we'll go there, I guess. Okay. Uh, I have to admit, I'm curious. So uh, why don't you go ahead and jump right into it and, uh, and just uh, right. give us a rundown. So with this whole, we're going to go back to the George Floyd as a, re- a result of, you know, the whole George Floyd, the protests, the riots, et cetera, the Chaz movement, everything that happened. You know, it's still frustrating because at this point, I don't think they're protesting to protest anything other than to push their agenda even further down our throats. This defunding the police thing is just, I I can't even fathom the idea of defunding the police and the people that are actually doing this. But what really got me going the other day was I, I see multiple videos online of people being assaulted randomly, not even from a confrontational point, like where two people are arguing and then all of a sudden there's an assault that happened. It's a, a I saw this video and it happened in Santa Monica, California, of a lady is on her bicycle. She's going down the street. There's a mob of a bunch of African-Americans and somebody just pushes her straight on her side. Uh, an older gentleman gets out of his truck. He grabs a hockey stick, it looks like, out of the back of the, the truck. And he goes to help defend her. And he tries to ward the people off a little bit while she gets back up on, on her feet and can get away. Well, at that point, then there's a mob of, I don't know, six or seven men that approach him. And they just start assaulting him. He couldn't do anything because he was overpowered. And they just beat him in the middle of the street. Why does this behavior still continue? Why is it that the media doesn't cover this type of a story? Why isn't this seen as, I'm, I'm not a racist man by any means whatsoever, but why is this not seen as like a racial type uh, situation where it's, you know, white people are now targeted by, by black people? in the streets just for the hell of it when if it would have been reversed roles where it was a mob of say a bunch of white men that attacked one black man there would be no end to the media coverage of this so it's really frustrating to me that it's such a one-sided point of view that keeps getting pushed down our throats 
and it's not an equal opportunity for everybody to be viewed as, you know, being assaulted for no reason, whether you're black, white, purple, brown, orange, doesn't matter to me. Why is that not an issue to everybody that people are still acting violently towards one another because of this protest, per se? And uh, it just really got me thinking the other day, and why why do we as a society allow this to continue to happen? It just really bugs the hell out of me, and uh, I just don't know what to do anymore. Well, you know, I think that uh, I think there's a lot of people out there that see exactly what you're seeing and feel exactly as as you feel. And I believe that a lot of people are, are in that situation. They, they just don't know what to do. Again, you know, you're dealing with an agenda, a specific agenda that's been monopolized more or less by the mainstream media. And so you don't have uh, attention brought to it. And so therefore, it doesn't gain any, uh, I guess, uh, pushback because of two reasons. One, of course, you don't have the coverage. Two, if you do have the coverage, say security camera footage or cell phone footage or whatever it is that you have online that people can see, which I, I believe this is kind of, you know, it goes along those lines because I've seen a lot of assaults like this that are online that are from private videos and, and things of that nature. And when you post things like that, if that does get put out there, it's shown in a positive light by the mobs. The mob mentality is what is driving this agenda. And of course, you have a collaborator media, mainstream media, that's on board with that as well. And so I think until we address the issues with the bias of not only I, I, there's a lot of things involved here, not only the mainstream media, you've also got the social media companies that are involved with this, with allowing one sided points of view. They're not allowed to have objective points of view. You can't discuss anything. Everything is subjective to social media companies, namely Facebook and Twitter. And of course, YouTube in some respects, uh, in a lot of respects, actually, they're getting worse. But the media, of course, we know which agenda they have. They're, they're on one side. It's you're going to accept these, quote, protests, and that's it. And of course, the assaults, as you said, you reverse the situation and you'd never hear the end of it. You think the four horsemen of the apocalypse would be coming down the road. That's, that's, that's the part that was driving me insane. And also to go on top of this story was that story of the 12-year-old white boy that was uh, dancing on the corner. I don't know if you saw the story. I can't remember what state it was in, maybe Philadelphia, I want to say. Anyways, uh, a car pulled up to this corner where this kid is dancing, and he's got two friends that are uh, African-Americans that are right there next to him, and he's just dancing. He's not doing anything to anybody. He's not you know, holding a sign. He's just dancing. And this guy gets out of uh, the, the vehicle, passenger seat of a vehicle, and he happens to be a, a, an adult African-American male, larger size, and he comes up like he's dancing with the kid at first, and he completely sucker punches the kid uh, on the right side of the kid's head, and he falls, gets a concussion, had I think some broken uh, facial bones, and whatnot, and then took off in the car. Uh, how is that not an outrage? The first off, it's, an, it's a child, a 12-year-old kid that gets assaulted by a grown man on the corner of street, corner of a street, and. Uh, that's not covered by anybody either. So, I mean, this this is just making me just lose all faith in humanity at this point because I, I feel like it doesn't matter what happens now, me being an, a, a Caucasian male, I just have to feel like my life isn't worth anything to anybody because apparently they can assault any white person out there and nobody cares. For me nowadays, it's just we seem to be allowing the fringe elements to take control, whether it's right wing, left wing, white, black, that middle ground I used to talk about. We looked out for each other. We took care for each other. It's not there. And that's what really worries me 
like Randy was saying, nowadays, what happened to our country? You know, I believe that it's a uh, I believe it's a combination of things. You've also got the agenda here that's that's being given cover by, as you said, it's the radical fringe element. And this radical fringe element is also the same ones that are responsible for the start of the riots that we had to deal with. They're the ones that are pushing the agenda to defund the police. Who in their right mind wants to defund the police? More to the point, does anyone, I said this yesterday, I believe, does anyone even know who George Floyd is at this point? I mean, we, we've drifted so far from all of this that I think that that point has even been forgotten. Now, I, I'm not going to, again, I mean, everybody knows that what happened there was a tragedy. That should not have happened. Absolutely, that was a tragedy. There's no reason he should have lost his life in that manner. Correct. And the thing is, is that now you've got a situation in the United States where we have the cities, the locales, the uh, the mayors, the governors, they're on board with this agenda that you're describing. They're on board with the ones in the streets. They're on board with the destruction of businesses and private property. They're on board with defunding the police. Mayor de Blasio of New York City just cut $1 billion from the NYPD budget. $1 billion. Los Angeles County, they just defunded, what, $550 million too for the sheriff's department. Yes, they did. This is also going to play into this because not only do you not have coverage of these particular assaults that are happening, you're seeing a, a degradation of law and order. You're seeing the breakdown of law and order. It's in the process. So it takes time for this to happen. And as that happens, it's going to get worse and worse. Crime's going to go up. We looked at the crime statistics of Seattle. Of course, both of you know what happened with Seattle with uh, with those <laughs> yeah. idiots that took over out there, right? Chaz yeah. or Chop or whatever it was. They... Uh, they took that over just within that few weeks that they had control of the those eight city blocks of Seattle. Crime went up five hundred and twenty five percent just in those three weeks. So until we actually get a handle on these people that are driving this agenda to defund the police, we get a handle on the media that is covering for this agenda and giving praise to it, in a sense, uh, in other regards, then I, I'm not sure that I know where to go. And that, that's a that's a terrible thing. Usually, I, I like to think that we can come up with some kind of answer here. But uh, until that happens, I, I really don't know. They're trying to they're trying to push the population. I, I'm talking about the fringe elements here. They're trying to push the population into a couple of different ways. One, they're trying to apply pressure in a sense where they want the conflict in the streets. They need the conflict in the streets. At its core, what we're seeing is a Marxist movement in America. It's a Marxist movement. And so they need the struggle. They need the fight in the streets and they don't have it. So they're pushing the population to react. We're kind of in a, in a catch-22. We're damned if we do and damned if we don't. But at the same time, you also have these other elements of it as well. You have a sense of the political class, such as governors and mayors, and of course, you know, the media, you have this at the top of society, lording over everyone, putting out these ridiculous rules. They are enabling the group at the bottom to go out and commit the crimes. So they're giving cover to the group from below. So by them applying pressure from the top, they're enabling the group on the bottom to apply pressure from the bottom up. So it's a top down, bottom up squeezing of society. Do, do you guys see what I'm saying? Yeah, yes. they're doing that strictly for votes, in my opinion, because you think that any of these elected officials truly want 
a lawless society or are they actually pushing this for like a uh, a martial law type of implementation i don't think that they necessarily want a lawless society per se they want a society that's based on laws that they create not laws that uh, that we create they have to get rid of the police structure itself one because it's not national it's local it's state by state locale by locale so they don't control it on top of that you also have the police departments that are deeply embedded in the traditions of america and by that i mean they swear an allegiance to the constitution of the united states which is everything that these people in these offices that are fighting against the country detest they represent what is bound by our our most sacred law, and they can't have that. So they have to remove that particular uh, system of security, and they have to employ their their own state security forces to replace it with. It's happened every time in totalitarian rule. Every time. This is now, like I said. This is no different. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I noticed myself just from looking at where all these areas they're trying to defund the police, or they are actually doing it. It seems to be on the coastal regions, on the either West Coast, East Coast. Do you feel like middle America, the heartland of America, where nobody cares about, just like in the elections, nobody cared about the, the little guys that nobody ever thinks about. Do you think that they will actually have that kind of uh, defunding happen with all these, say, Alabama, you know, Arkansas, Oklahoma, you know, so on? Do you think that kind of a thing will stop and we'll have strictly a middle America and then coastal regions at some point? Or... I'm just seeing it looking like the the elections of, you know, 2016, where everybody relied on the big voting cities such as L.A. or California, New York, uh, and ended up being that the middle America took over. Um, is it going to come down to, I guess, basically middle America against the coastal regions in this kind of a, a fight, per se? In a sense, yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely, I do. Uh, it, and it is that. It is It is the uh, the argument from the state level. As you said, everyone was looking at the, at, the larger, uh, at the larger picture here. So yes, it is that. You do have New York and California that pretty much, well, I don't have to tell you how they behave uh, and how they see things. Yeah. <laughs> so you have essentially New York and California that can really outvote. Well, I, actually, I tell you what, technically, see, this is why they detest the Electoral College. Right. This is why they want to get rid of it. This is why the the Democrat Party and you know the modern Democrat Party, they want to get rid of it. Just to put this into perspective, for those that don't understand, the Electoral College, if we were to abolish the Electoral College in the United States, the county of Los Angeles, just the county of Los Angeles could outvote 47 U.S. states. OK, to abolish the Electoral College is national suicide in this sense. It is national suicide. So we cannot, under any circumstances, allow that to happen. However, yes, they want that particular uh, they want that particular divide. This, is, but see, this is why they want that system removed so they can control the rest of the country. We know, we know that the heartland of America, which extends from where I am to where you are, well, from where I'm from to where you are, right? That. That section of the country, you're right on the edge of it there. That section of the country, we are producers. We are farmers. We're industrial people. We're business people. We're job creators. We come from what is the backbone of America. And by us not deciding what happens in that country, it's going to be very difficult for those states and those cities in those states to survive. It's getting difficult already. With the breakdown of law and order in the cities, with the riots in the cities, you have 
New York, for example, there is still looting and there's still rioting going on in New York. Same thing in Los Angeles. You'd never know because there's not a news camera on it. But you have 500,000 people just in New York City alone, 500,000 people that are already on their way out of that city because not only are they having everything that they own destroyed, they're being ostracized. You're having the police cut. You have good police officers that are leaving the force. So what's what's the incentive to stay in the city? What What is the incentive? Yes, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. You've got these fringe elements in these cities that are wanting to pretty much rule the rest of the country. These are the New York and the California bubbles. And we don't take very kindly to that kind of attitude in the rest of America. And I don't mean any disrespect, uh, Tavish, because I know that, you know, you're, you're but you've been all over. So I can't really say that you're from one place or another, but I, I know you've been all over. So you, you kind of know the score because you're a traveling person. But yes, that's the agenda that they uh, that they want. Uh, I, I believe so. Yes, you're right. Now, another thing that kind of bugs me, too, is I don't know if you talked on it or even brought it up. Uh, that new, not, I don't even think they're a new group, the NFAC, uh, the, the black militants that are going around, you know, armed and saying what they this, want. Uh, was this the group the from states given to them and no whites would be allowed in that region? And if yes, was this the state of Texas? Uh, was this a group that uh, had the protest at Stone Mountain, Georgia? Is this the same group? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. I don't know anything about them other than what you just described. Is there something, is there, is there a way you wanted to go with that? It was, uh, they would want to talk about, you know, how evil white people are against black people, but in the same breath, they're going to say, we want our own land. We want to segregate now. We want to have no whites allowed in our region. So how is it that everything that say Dr. Martin Luther King or uh, even Frederick Douglass back in the day, uh, how all the work they did to make us to where we're an integrated community, you know, nationwide, even worldwide for that matter, they want to just now segregate themselves and get rid of anybody of no color per se is what they want to say. It's just mind boggling to me, like the mentality of this reversal of roles now where they want to be segregated or this group does anyway. And I'm not saying all African-Americans do because I know there's many that don't, but I, I just, I don't get the mentality, I guess. And it's just driving me crazy. The more I, think about these situations, it just, it makes my brain really hurt. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it for you. And it's just well, very frustrating. And I don't know what anything's going to happen in the future with all this type of talk. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I can understand your frustration. And the, the people that you're describing, they represent a very small minority. And at, oh, I mean, yeah, of course. A very small minority. And so you have these groups, and, and I'm not going to say that you don't have some legit people in there. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that they're largely funded and they have an agenda from somewhere else. And in this case, oh, yeah. Um, We can take we can make particular references to, say, groups like Antifa groups, which I you both know who they are. Groups like Antifa, groups like Black Lives Matter. These groups, these are organizations that receive outside funding from people like George Soros. His number one goal is to take down the United States at all costs. These are the types of people that they employ. They bring it in. When I say employ, I mean, literally, they will put them on a payroll. So that's whether or not they believe in it. I I don't know. I don't know. I can't say. But I do know that this is their tactic. They create the problems. They drive wedges. They create conflict. They apply pressure. And their strategy is to divide and conquer. That's their strategy. So if they can go in and agitate the situation, no matter what it is, which in this case, 
they're not using flat out Marxism, though those of us that understand the movements and can see behind the curtain, we understand that's what it is. If you look at their actual charter behind the scenes, that's what they say. If you look at what they represent, then you can compare that to Marxism. If you know Marxism, you can compare it to that. But in this case, racism is the new Marxism. That's what they've turned it into. So they can turn around and they can use that particular thing knowing this is why they've chosen it, knowing that we have a checkered past as it relates to that. So they know that they're essentially going back and they're rehashing old wounds. We're supposed to be past this. We're supposed to be past this. As you said, you've got guys like Frederick Douglass, Dr. Martin Luther King, which I which I fully believe in. That's how we're supposed to be. We're oh, yeah. Americans. I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you come from. Right. We're Americans. All that stuff is is behind us. That's how it is. And so you have these groups that are now using this agenda. It's been picked to, to use this agenda specifically to create the conflict and to drive the wedges and to divide and conquer the population. And you have, in this case, a lot of bandwagon jumpers. They'll, they'll just jump on board with it because it's a movement. It's a big movement. Everybody's involved. It's all over social media. The big companies have come out. Nike's on board. Pepsi's on board. Intel's on board. Microsoft, Apple, Amazon. Yeah, they're all on board. Right. Everybody's giving them funding. Everyone's giving them money. Pepsi, for example, Pepsi's giving them millions of dollars. You get tired of rioting, rioting and looting and burning. Well, hey, here you go. Here, have a cold drink on us. Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's was in uh, Chop in Seattle giving out free ice cream to support the cause the entire time that place was occupied. Right, again, yeah, again, it's and Domino's Pizza as well. Of course, you know, you can argue Domino's has a lot of franchises, but Domino's Pizza was giving free pizzas to the people inside there. It's that agenda. It's the underlying agenda that you're talking about. It's not a majority of people. We are meant to think as the silent majority that these people are the majority that we're seeing because that's how they're portrayed to us. We're shown that it's, oh, it's millions of people and all these people are on board. It's that facade. When in reality, it's the minority that's speaking to the majority that's trying to make us believe that we are the minority, and that's not the case. So we have to be able to see through it. Well, luckily, in my case, it's making me see further away from that, meaning that I don't want any part of what they're trying to push. I want to actually resist it. And fortunately, I've got a lot of like-minded people that can see through the uh, the horse poop, per se. And uh, I, I just... It, it's just frustrating to me still that even though I can see through it, how the United States government still allows this type of thing to happen. And I guess they must be part of the agenda as well or, or have some something to do with it. I, I, it's just it's frustrating as an American citizen who goes to work every day, does what he has to do to you know make ends meet and see these people just destroying everything that's ever been worked for, um, whether by our forefathers, by our military, you know, our veterans that served and fought died for the freedoms that we have and they just want to just give them right back you know and i'm sure putin's really loving watching all this go down i mean it must be like a soap opera to watch the daily news here in the united states but i i'm just very frustrated with it i i just wanted to vent out some some of the issues and try to find some kind of rhyme or reason for any of it and uh you know luckily i have someone i can call such as you to to kind of Put me back on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do get that. And I, and I appreciate that. And like I said, you're, you're welcome to call in here anytime you want. Hell, you can call in every day if you want. I don't care. <laughs> get right ahead. Yeah, but no, you're, you're right. It, it, it is it is frustrating. But see, here's the thing. This is a war of attrition. It's meant to wear us down. Everything that we're seeing is 90 percent psychological 
and 10% physical, right? So, I mean, when I say the physical right. part, I'm talking about going out. If you actually go out and you, and you stand up and you have like, say, a council protest or something, that's a small, minute thing here. But the rest of it is psychological. You're talking about all these people that are out there that are destroying our history, you know, the ones that are out there tearing down the statues. I think that's what you're alluding to. Yes. Uh, that's part of it. I mean, uh, it's it's unfortunate that they didn't. I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to put myself and assume that they know exactly what statues they are tearing down. Because I heard they even tore down the Emancipation uh, statue uh, that the slaves actually built. Or I was told the slaves had some sort of uh, input into the the statue they built. They tore that one down. They even tore down the Stevie Ray Vaughan statue in Austin, Texas for yeah, a guitar in his hand. They still tore that one down. So I don't know if it's just they want to tear down stuff to tear it down because I don't really believe half these people even know what they're doing. I just no, think they, they don't. It's like you said, they jump on the bandwagon and they're like, oh, hey, this guy's tearing stuff up. Oh, I might as well do it too. Why not? This looks fun. You know? Well, it's meant that the, the, the agenda behind it is it's meant and I know this is going to be this is going to sound really bad, but it's meant to demoralize us as a population. It's meant to make us feel like, look what's happening. There's nothing we can do. Right. That That's the agenda right. here. And if you go back and you look at, say, like Mao's cultural revolution in China, when when Mao Zedong took over, mm -hmm. you had the same thing. You had the destroying of monuments because under this is it. This is cultural Marxism, right? This is a neo Maoist revolution that we're seeing. It's happening. It's happening. And this is what people don't yeah. understand. People can't quite figure this one out because we've been intellectually disarmed. I, I did a I did a podcast on the structure of socialism about I think it was last week. And I laid all this out on how these people operate, how they get their groups, how they get their people on board and how they, they foster these agendas and things of that nature. Essentially, what we're seeing is it's cultural Marxism, because under cultural Marxism, in the aspect of history, everything under Marxism as it relates to history is a mistake. You didn't do it correctly. Nothing was was done right. Everything before Marxism was incorrect. So it has to be destroyed. This is why Marx talks about all history ending when it comes to the particular ideology that he and Engels conjured up, which is a take of it's a it's a mix of English, French and, and German philosophy. I mean, it's just yeah, they, they just kind of blended it all together using uh, Hegel and a few others. But side issue, the idea is, is that you have the history that needs to be done away with. That's the point of it. But see, the ones that are out there, as you said, they don't even know that this is being done. They have no idea. They're bandwagon jumpers. They don't care. They don't care. Because if you ask them, if you watch some of these interviews, some of these people that go out and they, they ask them, well, OK, who's up there on that uh, that statue? I don't know. OK, well, why do you want to tear it down? Because they're racist. Well, if you don't even know who it is, how can you even say that? So the fact is, is that it's about an erasure of history, because, like I said, under Marxism, history was a mistake. It has to be gotten rid of. And then everything going forward, those that remember Obama's second term, what was his campaign slogan? Forward is a Marxist slogan. It comes from Marxism. Forward right. becomes history. You're making history as you go because then you're doing it correctly under Marxism. That's the purpose behind the uh, the statues and the history being altered. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I, I had a feeling that's what it was, but it was more of, you know, it's that uh, the mentality of let's just destroy things just because of, you know, somebody saying it. And of course, you know, somebody's being funded by getting these kids on board to help destroy stuff because they're told a certain thing, such as this is a racist statue, let's tear it down. Oh, OK. You know, you tell me that it's got to be true. So why not get a rope on there and start pulling on it? It's just it's, it's a frustrating time that we live in. I mean, it takes a toll on you. 
But like you said, you got to keep yourself grounded in order to not be worn down mentally. I'm not going to let them win, but I do need to vent that stuff out once in a while and just be reassured that there are like-minded people out there that do understand that this is uh, not everybody's mindset in the United States or worldwide. People spill over nation, nationwide, uh, globally that are supposedly supporting this George Floyd protest who nobody remembers anymore. Just a frustrating time. That's all it really is. And it comes down to, I don't understand why it is that way because I look at me as a person and what I have in my heart and I judge people on their character, not by what they look like or, you know, what they smell like or what they believe in. I base everything on their character and why other people can't do the same thing is beyond me. And especially in 2020, you know, I thought we were beyond the look of color or, you know, religious beliefs or so forth. But I guess not everybody has that same mindset. Well, you are in the company of, uh, of friends when you come here. I can assure you that because we are those people that think as you do. We are like-minded people in that respect. You know, when you were on oh, yeah. last, when, when you were on last, I actually had a, uh, I had a call from, uh, from Marty that same day. And of course, you know, he, the, uh, uh, you know, our English uh, correspondent, when he comes on, he called me that day and he says, you know what? He's, he listened to you. He listened to you that day from England. And he said, he called me and he said, I never thought it would be possible that we could have someone, you know, that, that there could be someone all the way out there on the, on the West part of the United States that would think exactly as I do on certain things. He says, we're not all that different. And, and we're really not. Oh, we're, we're really not. We aren't. At the end of the day. And I, I made reference yesterday to I don't care any longer. I, I don't care as in, I mean, I, I care, obviously, that's not what I mean. But I don't care if you're English. I don't care if you're German. I don't care if you're French, you're Italian. I, I don't care. Uh, Canadian, Australian, whatever. If you're Western, we have a problem. We have a common problem. And we need to put all this stuff aside. Whatever differences we've had in the past, all that has to be set aside for now. We'll we'll get back to that, right? There's plenty we can disagree on later. Oh yeah. But we have we have a bigger Absolutely. problem we have to deal with right now. And it's these it's these sick freaks that want to dismantle our very foundation in the West. They want to take down absolutely everything. They want to shut our history down. They want to shut our churches down. They want to shut our families down, our education, our interpretation, all of it. Everything. They want to bring it all down, man. Right. Just that that old adage from back in the 60s. They want to bring it all down. I want to go to Tavish. Tavish, I want to bring you in on this. What are your thoughts to everything that we've been uh, going back and forth here on? First off, the picture of the, the rioters tearing down statues. All I could think of was ISIS tearing down statues in Syria, Iraq. Destroy history. Why learn history? Why try to change our lives after we watch history? No, just make it disappear. There's no history. It's just what we say is right. Everybody else is wrong. But one thing I have not heard people talk about when they talk about defunding police over the years, how much has been added on to the police plate? All of a sudden, it was horrible to put people in state institutions when they have mental health issues. All the group homes, the group hospitals got shut down. People pushed out in the streets. Where was the support network? There is none. Police have to deal with it. Social justice issues, human trafficking, things like that. Homelessness. These are things police have not been trained for, but it got dumped in their lap because, oh, society says we can't warehouse these people or we can't do this or we can't do that. So let them be free. But there's no support network for them. There's no backup. There's no people to go, hey, let's talk. You need medication, stuff like that. But I, I do agree about the fact, tearing down statues, if you do not learn from history, you're going to be doomed to repeat it. Put something up that says, hey, this is what happened. This is why we don't honor this person anymore. Because let's face it, Confederate statues, these are people that committed treason against the United States. 
might be local heroes down south, but in the grand scheme of things, they rebelled against their federal government. So I think give them a place, but put it in a context. Don't just tear it down and make it go away. Who's going to remember? Who's going to learn? We need to come together as a group and say, hey, we have differences. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff, but we can agree to disagree. And that's the first step. Right off the bat, we've got something in common. We can agree to disagree. But, you know, Randy brought up a lot of good points, but it's just we seem to be getting fractured. And I think a lot of it is the fact that politics are looking for votes and corporations are looking for consumers, whether it's, you know, passing out pizza or ice cream to protesters, politicians. Oh, well, we have to change the laws. We have to deal with this. We have to deal with that. They're looking to their base support elements. What do they want? Votes or consumers. And I think that's coloring their judgment a lot, too. But, you know, the one thing I really want to talk about was how much the police have had dumped on their plate with no backup or formal training to deal with these issues that society decided, hey, we let them free. All is good. Well, no. Now you have homeless in the street. You have mental health issues with people on the street, domestic issues, society issues. You can't just expect the police to deal with everything without backup. That's why I'm worried about this defunding movement. What exactly does it mean? You ask one person, they say, oh, cut off all the money. Another person will say, well, no, we should take some of the money and put it into social issues. Somebody else may have a completely different idea. So I don't see a unified definition of what defund the police means. And I think that's where a lot of confusion comes in, because when you have the protesters versus the rioters or agitators, that's two different narratives. You know, the protesters have legitimate grievances. They march peacefully. They're not setting things on fire. It's the agitators and the instigators that are out there doing the violence. And I think that really needs to be made a distinction that it's not an entire group of people or entire waves of people. People agree on generalities, but then you throw these monkey wrench people in there and that's where the things start getting gummed up and that gets the most attention. So suddenly it's like, oh, well, look, all these people think that. No, they don't. It's just they're getting the news time. They're getting the air time. They're getting the FaceTime on TV or, or cable, whatever it is. I hope that makes sense. I'm not sure if I explained it correctly, but I'll leave that up to you guys. I thought it sounded great. Well, I'm not a complete idiot then. No, no, not at all. I thought you had very valid points in that because nobody does have a, a real definition of what funding the police actually is other than just taking money away from their resources, which is going to give them less training, less time to deal with these issues that you brought up. So how does how does the, the funding uh, coincide with other departments defunding? What is it going to actually entail? And it's a scary thing to think about because it could be the equipment, personnel, uh, training, services, services to help the police, such as social servicing, mental health. Exactly. I think one of the biggest things yeah. uh, you mentioned there was uh, was mental health. We had a situation where, yes, you said that police couldn't lock these people up in, in a sense that uh, we couldn't take them to one of these facilities where they could get help. So we do have a mental health issue uh, and it's across the board. It's not just uh, it's not just relegated to, to one form or another. And not only are we dealing with the defunding of a police department argument now, but we're also looking at a, at a problem that's been festering for the last three decades of largely the city areas. And I, I don't want to play party politics here. I really don't because I hate doing that. But I'm just going to call it like I see it. Largely, Democrat cities and Democrat controlled states have defunded and closed mental institutions. And so therefore, you've had a lot of these individuals that have been put back out onto the streets and they're causing a menace to society as well. 
So you have that particular aspect that you're also dealing with now. However, I think that goes to the uh, to, to another issue, and, and I don't really want to get too far into that. But I, I believe that that's one one issue that we need to you know address at some point. I mean, we're going to have to. But the the issue that you spoke on there about uh, both of you about defunding the police and, and where it's going to go, if they're going to take the money from the police, then what they're doing is they're essentially they're aiding in the breakdown of law and order, which we talked on earlier already. I don't see how they're going to create this perfect utopian society that they're all claiming to to have fair and just and equal and all that stuff. I mean, we, we like to hear those words coming from these people that are advocating for defunding the police, but yet they're wanting to remove the system of checks and balances on that particular aspect of society. So I don't see how they're going to win over votes by uh, by doing that. I I'd, honestly, I don't see that. If you look at the average poll out there as it relates to defunding the police departments, they're overwhelmingly for keeping the police departments. They're upwards of 80 to 90 percent that I've seen in some cases. You have a small fringe element that are in these cities that are calling for the defunding of police departments. Example, Minneapolis, right, where all this started. Okay, Minneapolis, the city council up there voted unanimously. It was 12 to nothing. They voted unanimously to disband the police department, not defund it, disband it. What happened the next day? The very next day, I kid you not, the very next day, every single city council person that voted to disband the Minneapolis police department hired their own private security, armed security at the taxpayer expense. What do you guys think of that? Uh, that's not where those funds are supposed to be allocated, in my opinion. <laughs> well, it just shows the hypocrisy. Like, they're hypocrites. Oh, it's, the hypocrisy is real. The hypocrisy is very real. It's okay for them, but not for us. And that's the other point, is that we've we've forgotten that the term we the people was there for a reason. Nobody remembers that part of the Constitution anymore, that we are the controlling factor of our own country. We've allowed the politicians to just take over and do we just serve them as they see fit. Basically, we've gone back to being serfs for the, the noblemen, in my opinion. And it's just uh, we need to get back to what the Constitution was all about and really just get rid of all these politicians, in my opinion. And also, I believe we need to get rid of the two-party system as well. I don't know how to go about doing that, but that's just another thing that I think needs to be. We, we've discussed that before. We, we've talked about all the different aspects of uh, the, you know that go into that, because that's a uh, that's a, some very valid points you bring up there. First of all, yes, about the Constitution. We do need to get back to our founding principles. We have to, because that's our only salvation to this, as in we the people, as you said, we are the answer to this. I, I said that yesterday. And you'll as you'll as you'll hear, we're the answer to this. It's. It's when we decide that we're going to push back on this is when it stops. And so I certainly don't agree with what these people are out there advocating for is saying, well, we have to get rid of the system. The system is not the problem. The problem is people like that that are in the system. They want to overthrow the system because they don't control it. The Constitution of the United States is unique because it doesn't tell government what they can do. It tells the government what they can't do. So they, as in the, the people that are in the in the government that want to overthrow the system, that is precisely why they want to overthrow the system, because they know that they don't have the system that is restraining them in their way. So it has to be 
a new system based on what they want and their own corruption. So I would argue that it's not the actual system that's the problem here. It, it's it's certainly I don't I don't believe it is because if that's the case, we wouldn't have had success with it up to this point. But it's become so corrupt over the last thirty years that we have just we, we've got to clean out all the corruption that's in there, and then we need to reestablish that system. We need to essentially we need to essentially reupload our constitution and get back to our founding principles. Now, obviously, I'm not saying, you know, go back and, and remove all the stuff that we've accomplished up until this point. Certainly not. You know, that's part of who we are. So we have to keep that. But we certainly we certainly don't need to overthrow the system. That's not the answer here. That's not the answer. As far as the two party system, I don't necessarily think that's OK. I, I agree that we need to be focused on people as it relates to their ideas, we, we need to be focused on voting for people that are more aligned with with what we believe as opposed to party uh, party lines, and party principle and all that stuff. In that regard, I will agree the party system has failed in that regard. But I think it's largely due to the fact you're talking about like corruption and back to the noble uh, rule and all that stuff. And yes, <laughs> they're trying to take everything back to a form of neo-feudalistic serfdom. That's what it is. So you have a group of people that are corrupt. They're at the top. They've been entrenched in there for the better part of 50 years. And it's time for them to go. It's time for them to go. We can salvage this. I, I'm, I'm hopeful in the fact that we can do that. We can salvage this. And there is a way that we can do this and we can bring it up to our new age. If we can start by, I mean, if we keep the two-party system, if we keep the two-party system, then what we can do is we've got 535 members of Congress. We can get them to legislate from their district. The only time that someone in Congress is supposed to be at their office in D.C. in the Capitol building, the only time they're supposed to be there is when they're voting on something. Other than that, their behinds are supposed to be back in their districts, working a nine-to-five job, owning a business, whatever it is, and that's how it's supposed to be. None of them do that. Well, a goodly percentage of them do not. Excuse me. There are some that do that. But a goodly percentage of them do not. You have people that have been up there on that hill for 30, 40 years. We need term limits. We need them to legislate from their districts. We can get them to vote. We can secure... In this day and age, with all this security that we have uh, with online stuff, electronic stuff, with all this layers of security and, and firewalls and all that stuff, we can secure 535 people voting remotely. We can secure that. We can get people in there that will legislate from their districts. And, you know, that's the other problem. When they go to D.C., when they don't legislate from their districts, when they don't spend time in their districts, they go back every two, four, six years, whatever it is, to give some hee-haw speech that means nothing. And what happens? The districts go to hell. Look at the districts in these cities. Look at San Francisco. Look at Feinstein's district. That's her district, right? Look, look Senator Feinstein. Look at that's Nancy Pelosi's district. By the way, did you know that neither one of them actually live there? I just like to point that out. So, yeah, isn't that kind of uh, against like what they're supposed to do? Well, they have to have a residence there, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to live there. See, there's right. a there's a little work around there. But see, again, this is where I think we have to mandate not only term limits, we also have to mandate that they live in their district. We like I said, we can bring this up to the new age. We can have them vote from their district. And you know what? We can really make a change here. We can really make a change here. I, I believe that. I believe that. It has to be done. That, the problem is, is implementation at this point. So first and foremost, I think if we're looking for any kind of a starting point, we have to clean out that corruption. That's first and foremost. And here's the bad part about it. People are going to have to go to jail. 
That's that's the way it is. You, people are going to have to go to jail. They're going to have to go to jail on crimes of sedition and high treason against the United States, its constitution and its people. That's all there is to it. You sell out the country for profit, then I'm sorry, there's only one word for that. So, I mean, I, I don't know of, uh, of any other way to put it. On top of that, you've got people that are out there, like I said, at the top levels. They're enabling what's going on. They're, they're enabling this uh, th- this destruction of our history, of our monuments. People like Pelosi, people like Chuck Schumer in New York. They're, they're enabling this. If that's not sedition, please tell me what is. No, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm all for the term limits. I believe there should be a salary cap, per se, for people in those positions as well, not giving themselves a $18,000 a year raise. You know what I mean? It's, it should be regulated by the people, not by the government. You know, you want people in office that are going to do it strictly for the betterment of the country, not just the betterment of their pocket. That's how I see it. Right, right. Good point, Randy. But also I would throw in the fact that when you talk about money, lobbyists, you know, they go through government, Congress, whatever, boom, they, they retire, lobbyists. Back to the trough. And also uh, big money. Corporations are counted as a single voice now, just like a regular person like any of us. I don't agree with that. I think, you know, one person, one voice, one vote, but huge multinational corporations, how are they considered one voice or one vote? You know, the, the deep pockets theory. You know, again, that that's, you know, when you talk about cleaning up Washington, there's all these layers. You have to peel away till you get to the core, and then you can start working with term limits, things like that. But if you put in term limits without addressing these other issues, it'll just turn into the same old thing, just new recipe. Same ingredients. Oh, look, we made a new recipe. Same problems. So it, at least to me, it's, it's a multi-approach addressing the problems to come up with one solution. But I do agree. We really need, I hate to use the term drain the swamp, but literally that's what it's turning into. And the rest of us are sitting there swatting flies, holding on your nose because of the stench, and it still goes on. You know, how long can we put up with this? How long can can we survive doing this as a country? I fear it's not going to be much longer, at least the way it's going. I think what what's trying to be pushed upon us, and I really hate to think of it even happening as a, another civil war or some type of a revolutionary war, which is not going to end well for anybody. That's just my take on that. Unfortunately, I don't think that can be ruled out at this point. You know, that, that's what worries me. Where is this going to end? Where's it going to end up? It used to be, we're not Republican, we're not Democrat, we're Americans. And I say, I want my country back. Have we got problems? Oh, hell yeah. There's all kinds of problems, and we need to start working on them rather than throwing mud at the wall to see what sticks to tarnish someone who may not agree with us or who the, quote, flavor of the moment is on the news. Oh, we need this, we need that. Whatever happened to sitting down and honestly discussing, yeah, I need to change my ways here, but you need to change your ways there. Agree to disagree. Compromise. It's not the dirty word people make it out to be today. But again, apparently I'm in a minority on that. No, I'm right there with you. I'm definitely there with you. Getting back to what I originally called in for, it's uh, it's just a very frustrating time in America. And I'm, I'm, I'm personally just tired of feeling like I should be guilty for being a white male. And I should just allow attacks to happen to white people across the country because of something that happened. And now my country is being torn apart because of the big agendas. It's just very frustrating for me. And I've, I've had my fill of it, but I'm not going to give up the fight. Uh, I just needed to voice my opinion. Amen to that, sir. 
I don't think that I don't think you're alone at all by any stretch of the imagination. I think that there are a lot of people that are feeling exactly as you're feeling right now. And not just in the United States, I might add. There are people all across the Western world that are listening right now that probably can relate to exactly what you're saying, uh, myself included, because as I said yesterday, we're here every day. This is the only way at this point in time that we know how to fight this. This is the only way. I made reference yesterday to we're only four, five, six, you know, seven people that are here. Why isn't there three or four hundred thousand of us doing this? Why is that not a thing? I made reference yesterday to the 9-11 event in the United States 20 years ago. And I, I mean, I don't have to tell all of you. We all remember that, right? We all remember it very well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. As it related to 9-11, we had a sense after that event, as terrible as it was, we had a sense of, well, if you don't do this, the message was, if you don't do this, well, the terrorists win. Okay. Well, we went out there, we lived our lives, and we weren't cowering in fear. We weren't silent. We weren't compliant. We weren't any of those things. People were out there. They were out there waving American flags. I mean, if you didn't have an American flag in your yard, people thought there was something wrong with you. Where is that American spirit? I'm not dismissing other countries here because, like I said, we are all in this together, whether you like that or not. They're coming for Western civilization. But I'm looking at America specifically because we're unique in the fact that we are supposed to be the ones taking the lead on this as in fighting back against it. Where's that American spirit? Where, where's that majority of people that were out there waving those flags? Where are the people that were out there touting the Constitution? Where are the ones that were beating you over the head with the Bill of Rights? Where were the ones that were saying, we have liberty and justice for all? Where's that crowd? Were they all just all talk? Were you bandwagon jumpers? What? Where did you go? We need that now to beat back this loud minority that we're dealing with that wants to overthrow the entire system. And they're not there. So I'm wondering what it's going to take. We got scared into the fact that we're dealing with a pandemic and we've seen what they've done with those numbers. We, we know what the agenda is there. We know the people that are involved. Please listen to yesterday's podcast on what's being done, how they're using that to, to twist and, and to shape their agenda. It's sick. It's sick. The America that I knew 20 years ago would not put up with any of this. None of it. We would have these people smashed in a day. The current company in the power structure included, not just in the streets. We'd have this cleaned up in a day at best. So where's that spirit? Where, where's that mentality? Where's that fighting mantra? Where is it? That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm waiting for. That's what a lot of us are waiting for. Randy, I'm sure you're waiting for it. Where is it? Oh, yeah, I've been waiting for it. <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody. Here, here's the problem. Here, here's the problem that I see. The problem that I see is that I see largely, and I, I've supported him when he's right, and I don't support him when, he's, when, I, when I think he's not right, Donald Trump. Where is President Trump in all of this? Where is he? He's isolated. I get it. I, I understand what they're trying to do to him. But where is he in all this? We need a leader. Now, here's the problem. By Trump doing nothing, and I know history well enough to understand this, and I know a lot of other people do too, by Trump doing nothing, by the Republican Party capitulating, cowering in fear to these out-of-control Democrats that are unchecked, and I hate playing party politics. I can't stand it. I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm calling it like I see it. By these people doing nothing, by the lack of leadership, let me explain to you what's going to happen, because this is real and you better get your head wrapped around it. You're going to see a leader of some kind emerge. It's going to happen. And it's going to be a leader that will tell you exactly what you want to hear. 
It'll be, well, we're going to deal with those mobs in the streets. We're going to deal with uh, with this group of people. We're going to make sure that that group of people doesn't doesn't hurt our families. We're going to make sure that those people don't hurt churches. We're going to make sure that those people don't burn your businesses down. Oh, yes, there's going to be that type. And they will get things done. Wait, like Dan Crenshaw, maybe? I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying that it's someone oh, you don't okay. know yet. I'm saying it's someone you don't know. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I agree I, with I saying, do. but I could see someone like that being that type yeah. of person. Yes. Well, I, I like Dan Crenshaw, and I also like uh, Senator Tom Cotton, oh, yeah. too. I, I like the, the things that, that they talk about. Uh, but yes. he, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They, as far as I, as far as I, I know, I mean, if they can step in and, and possibly make a run and go about something, which I think, honestly, I think Tom Cotton's setting himself up for that. I think they're making him a they're putting him in a situation where he could there. He's being put in a placeholder, let's say, because it sounds to me like he's going to make a run in 2024. But that's a side issue at the moment. My concern is this. You're going to see a, a particular incident like we saw in the 1920s in Germany. And by that, I mean, you're going to be looking at the Weimar Republic type of scenario. We're going to have hyperinflation because the spending is out of control. The money is being printed and thrown in the air like helicopter money. It's ridiculous. You might as well have Monopoly money over there right now. It's insane. The printing has got to stop. The spending has got to stop. It's got to stop. All of this stuff that we're doing as far as uh, paycheck protection and an extra $600, we're, we're bribing people to stay home and not go back to work. We cannot continue this pattern. It's not feasible. Every time in history, when the currency fails, a country spirals out of control into a depression. And that's where we're going to go. And if you have a situation where you have massive depression, you have a largely divided populace, you have a country on the verge of civil conflict, then what's going to happen? You're going to end up with someone in the neighborhood of a very famous world dictator that emerged in Europe in the 1930s. And I don't think I have to tell you who that is. So we all know who that guy is. Yeah. And you know, that this is my fear, is that you're going to see someone emerge like this, but it's going to be someone with that attitude. It's going to be someone that speaks well, someone that people get behind, someone that people support because they'll get things done. They'll make promises, as we're being told promises now by the other side. But you're not seeing a single leader emerge. But people will want a strong sense of leadership. And right now they're not getting it. So something will fill that vacuum. Something. I don't know what. I don't know who. I don't know what form that's going to take. I don't know if it's going to be a male, female, old, young, black, white. I don't know. But something, if this lack of leadership and lack of action continues and the country spirals further because it's going to get faster and more crazy from here on out, I can tell you that for a fact, then you're going to wind up with a scenario like we had on mainland Europe in the 1930s. And I don't think any of us want to go there. If there's anything we've learned from history, we don't want to go there. So we need leadership. We need it now. We need someone to step in and quell this dissent. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. And on top of that, these people that are in the process of destroying our society, not just from a cultural standpoint, but from an economical standpoint. These incorrect little worms in these public health and governors and mayor's offices, they've got to go. All of them. They've got to go. They're destroying our economy. They're ripping families and friends apart. They're tearing away at the very underpinning and fabric of society. It's time for them to go. You've got to clean them out. So if we're going to save the country, if we're going to take serious steps, if we're going to sit down and we're going to have a national debate on how we're going to really fix things, and I mean really fix things, not get a lot of nice talk about, well, we're going to fund education. I mean really fix things. If we're going to do that, 
then we have to take the step in the initial stages of shutting this dissent down. We've got to clean out the corruption. We've got to start somewhere. We've got to start somewhere. And we have to do it peacefully. This is the most important thing. We have to do it peacefully. We have the right as Americans, we have the right as free people to redress, peaceably redress our government for grievances. Well, we have grievances. We've got a lot of them. And it starts by getting rid of these people. Absolutely. Well, I do agree with you, Johnny. But my question is this new leader. Okay, you don't know who it is. I don't. But my question is, when they get the new leader and they attempt to unify, who gets demonized as the new boogeyman? You know, that's the point. Oh, well, we yeah, that's that's my concern is exactly that is you'll have someone come in. I'm just speaking historically. I'm not saying that's actually going to happen. I'm just saying historically, this is the trend that, that it follows. So you'll have in a time of let's let's say we have a complete collapse. OK, and I'm just I, I hope to God that doesn't happen. I'm just I'm speaking historically. When you have situations like this, you do have a, a complete economic collapse. And when you have an economic collapse, you end up with a population that's largely is they're, they're broke. They're out on the streets. They don't have any food to eat. And so someone comes along. They're going to listen to the voice that says that they're going to feed them. They'll listen to that. And they'll get behind whatever that is, whatever that movement is. They will demonize and, and, and degrade and, and walk over whoever they need to walk over in order to get the society back to where they believe it needs to be. Now, there was a trade-off in World War II Germany. You know what it was. So the, uh, you know, the, um, the, uh, the Nazi party came to power. You know, that they, they came to power based on largely economic despair. It was the Depression that brought them to power. It wasn't anything else. They were largely unpopular, uh, the National Socialist German Workers Party. They were largely unpopular. People didn't like them. They didn't care for them. As a matter of fact, they didn't think, the average German at the time, they didn't believe that there was any difference between them and the Communist Party. It's just one was nationalistic and the other one wasn't. They still had the same ideology, more or less. So people didn't think that there was much of a difference. But you had the economic situation, crash of 29 in the United States, right? German economy changed almost overnight. They had bread lines. They had uh, hyperinflation. They had people starving. And so here comes a, a group of people saying, hey, we, we've got the solution to all this. They were screaming the entire time before about, well, this is, you know, we're lead, leading ourselves to ruin. We're doing this. We're doing that wrong. We're not, we're not uh, taking care of our people. And no one listened to them. No one took them seriously until the financial collapse. When the financial collapse happened, that allowed them to come to power. And I don't think I have to tell you what happened next, do I? Yeah, people will get on board with that movement, is my point. Everything changed. German society changed. People's attitudes changed. When people realized they didn't have enough food to eat, they didn't know if they were going to be able to have a home to live in. And they were losing their jobs. Uh, they didn't have uh, good infrastructure. They, they didn't have anything. So here, here comes Hitler. He says, I will build you roads. Uh, I'll make sure that our, our children get schools. I'll make sure that we have jobs. I'll make sure that we have our agricultural back. You know, I'll, I'll make sure that we have all these things. And people got behind it and they became more popular. Now, he did. He, he did give those things, of course. I mean, you, you had the, you know, the, the creation of the Autobahn, right? The German auto industry largely uh, came roaring back. That's why we have Volkswagen today. So, again, you have these movements that will take hold in times of economic despair. And this is my concern. This is my concern because we have a perfect storm brewing. 
I can see it. We, we have a perfect storm brewing. The stage is being set for this type of scenario to play itself out. And I don't like it. And it concerns me. It concerns me because the one thing in all of this that we do not need, we do not need extremism in any form. We see extremism right now. Extremism is out there in the streets. Extremism is in the top of our governments that are enabling this out there in the streets. We don't need that. We don't need that. We need law. We need order. We need peace. That's what we need. And these people are not giving it. Randy, I want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say before we jump out of here this evening? You know, I, I thank you for letting me come back on the show and, and grounding me once again, uh, letting me believe that there is hope in all of this mess and frustrations that I had. Um, and, and not to get off point, it's actually kind of a good thing. Uh, you know, I got tired of hearing all the Black Lives Matter stuff, blah, blah, blah. I made a post one day just uh, making a quick statement that, I believe that what really matters is love, you know, for people across the pond, my next door neighbor, people down south of me, north of me, that we need to get back to just loving one another as human beings. And I have jokingly made a statement that I need to start a new movement called Love Matters to kind of shove it in the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, I think I'm going to try to push forward on that movement, try to get people to realize what's important in life. It's not what you see on TV, it's about the people that are next to you and hopefully it can spread and uh, get some positivity going back in this world. So <clears throat> I don't know what you guys think about that, but it's really something I think I'm really thinking hard about. No, I like the idea. I, I like the idea. I like the sentiment. Uh, I think that uh, I think right now people need something to uh, to look forward to, some, something, uh, you know, a bit of positivity, a bit of um, a uh, bit, bit of hope, I guess. Uh, that's that's what and we it need. Doesn't, it doesn't have a, a, a color assigned to it. It's just love matters. You know, I, I don't want to sound like a, a hippie, you know, per se, but I just want to get <laughs> yeah, back right. to people remembering what it's like to love your neighbor. You know, why can't we all get along? Why can't we all be friends? You know, the world would be a much better place if we were. So I truly believe you're, that love matters in this time of crisis. That's just my take. I'm just wondering. You're, uh, you're, you're, a, you're, an in, you're an inspiration to us all. You know that? We, we always say that... Uh, we should love our neighbors and take care of our neighbors and take care of our families. And and what what do these groups want to do? They want to destroy the family. They want to destroy neighborhoods. They want to destroy communities. What? But yet they they preach about love, right? They they come back at you and say, yeah. "Oh, we need to be loving. We need to be tolerant. We need to be equal. We need to be fair." But yet you want to destroy all the institutions that promote all those things naturally. Complete Correct. hypocrites, man. Complete hypocrites. And that's why I think I'm gonna push forward with this Love Matters movement and. Just kind of remind everybody that, you know, we need to love one another and quit thinking about all the negatives that are so easy for us to get wrapped up in. No, you're absolutely right. I think Randy has a very good point there. I, I think we get so wrapped up in what divides us, what, what are our differences that we forget what we have in common. We all bleed red. We all have to breathe. We all want a better world for our children. We want financial security. We want to be able to walk the street without fear. We want to be able to put food on our table. These are all things I think we can agree on. You know, and that's what we have to remember, what we have in common, not what we don't have in common, not what divides us, but what we have in common, because we're all Americans. And yeah, I get shouted down the other day when I said, you know, all lives matter. That apparently is not a politically correct thing to say now, but it's true. All lives matter because we all need to breathe. We all bleed red. Remember what we have in common, people. This is what's important. And we need to come together as a people to rise above the troubled waters 
and plot a course for a better future. I just wanted to say that I appreciate both of you being here tonight. Randy, thank you again for calling in. I, I really appreciate that. Tavish, I know that you were wanting to be here last night, but unfortunately last night we had uh, we had a full itinerary planned, so we couldn't have you on last night. But I'm glad you're here tonight. So uh, thank you for being here. Again, uh, Randy, like I said, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you both for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.